I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, we missed you guys on Monday. There wasn't much to talk about. We kind of had this episode planned for what's coming up now. First of all, the whole guys, basketball's back on Friday. There's going to be a scrimmage. It's going to be aired on NBC. If you're not in the Boston area, then it'll be available on League Pass. That's all confirmed. I'm ecstatic. I'm going to be staying up no matter what time that tip-off is. I need basketball back in my life. I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Breezy and Tim Shields. What's going on, my guys? What's good, brothers? Woo! Dying in the heat right now. It's, Other than that, I'm just ducky. <laughs> it is hot. It is hot in here. But, uh... I've Please leave on all your clothes because the cameras are on. So, um, <laughs> please, please spare us. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that I don't want to be seeing that. So this episode is going to be around about each player. We're going to do 10 guys. So it's going to be the starting five in the first half of the show. And then the guys we assume are going to be the bench five. And we know the rotations are going to get shorter, but just humorous. And we're going to break down each one of those guys, primary strength and primary weakness heading into the bubble. You guys prepped? We all ready to get going? Yes, sir. Let's get it cracking. Awesome. So we're going to start with Kemba Walker. His obvious weakness is his knees. Has anybody got anything else other than his knees? I would probably say this kind of does tie into the fact of his knees, but Kemba, as we've talked about, is kind of a little bit below par in defense due to his size. I do worry that his knee issues are going to make him more of a defensive liability. Those are my big concerns, but I know a lot of that is mitigated about the fact that Kemba is a great leader. He brings really, really strong leadership to the locker room. He seems like such a high chemistry guy. Having him in the locker room is better than him not being there at all. And I definitely say his ability to move the ball has significantly helped this team's offense, especially when it comes down to the growth of Jalen and Jason. Yeah, I got Kimba leadership at the top of my list. And I also has, you know, they call him cardiac Kimba for, for a reason. He is the big shot capability. You know, he can have an off game, and then when it matters the most, he'll just light the game on fire. So him just having that in his bag lets me know that, like, he that's a bonus for the Boston Celtics. I'm not really too much concerned with the knees. I know that's, a, that's definitely um, his weakness. Defense-wise, it's weird because – I've watched all weak point guards come into the Celtics at weak defense positions. And then all of a sudden just being in the system, they play better defense, better on ball defense. So I'm not really worried about defense. I do understand that the knees are a bit of concern when you got them going against top point guards in the East or whatnot. I'm just not worried about that, man. Um, That doesn't mean I'm not worried about Kemba. I just think that his leadership and the fact that if he has to, not that he, that he's going to, but if he has to uh, take over the game, he could take over the game. He has the capability of being cardiac Kimba. So I started off by saying that his knees were my concern. You guys kind of jumped straight in to give the positives as well. Made me seem bad after the last episode where I'm calling <laughs> Duke cussing Kimba right? But I'll take it. I'll take it. So yeah, I had his... Um, primary strength down again as leadership but also off ball movement he's going to be able to make things happen for other guys without the ball in his hand he's he's got that scoring gravity to him that teams want to be kept keep a man on him at all times his relocation or force rotations 
force, force rotations, and there's going to be open lanes to the basket, and you might find some guys sitting in the corner that become open because of that movement. So for me, that's going to be the biggest strength about having Kemba on the floor. Moving on, we have Jalen Brown. So Jalen Brown, for me, he's most positive aspect is going to be his two-way play, the way that he can get up and down the floor, close out on guys and deter shots on one end and then run the floor on the break and either jam it down or pull up for a jumper, which he's so much improved on this year. And that's going to really put teams in a bad spot. When it comes to my concern about Jalen, it's just going to be that last year we saw him get into his own head a little bit when he didn't start out great. That happened throughout the season. It kind of shook it off a little bit in the playoffs and ended up coming out of last year's playoffs as one of the only guys who could hold their head up high. This year, it's been different. He's been super confident all the way through the year. He kind of has that scoring mentality now where if the basket don't go, he kind of just dusts it off and moves on. I just hope that we don't see, after a four-month break, we don't see him kind of regress a little bit and rely on coming out hot early to get going for the rest of the game. I do tend to think his efficiency also went up. That was one of the things that I had. Um, I do worry about his defensive consistency. We've seen it before where he didn't put as much effort on the defensive end. He's definitely taken massive steps forward this year. And it was really actually very difficult for me to find a weakness for both him and Jason, just because I think they've just taken such massive steps forward as individual players, uh, let alone team players. So, for me, I just want to see that same level of consistency and effort on both sides of the ball. Uh, as you said, I don't want him to get discouraged when shots aren't falling, but I also think that Jalen has been really, really good with less looks than you would expect. He's, he's become a much more efficient scorer in my mind. I, my, my strength is, I, I agree with Adam, his two-way play. Um, I think he's probably like the best two-way player on the team. My my weakness with him, though, is I guess you can say him getting into his own head or whatnot. Um, but sometimes he lacks the, the dog mentality. Like he there's there's times he shows up as this like massive terrorist dog, and then there's sometimes he shows up, you know, not as low as a chihuahua, but just a smaller dog. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just I just want Jalen Brown to come out and just ball out because he 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 got him he got himself a contract right he's earned himself a contract he's proven he can hang with the best of the best when it comes to defending them this dude can defend lebron if you could defend lebron enough said that that's it so so he can he can handle guys it's just that sometimes that mentality goes firing away and i don't know if it's because he starts missing shots or he gets it to his own head like you and adam stated earlier but if he could just find a way to just not worry about that stuff until after the game and then look at the tape and then find a way to improve, that man's going to be the – like, you're going to need his dog mentality. And I know him and Marcus Smart are two different dogs, but I like Jalen Brown's dog because he's like – he's got this – it's just a weird type of mentality that we need. Um, he's the energy that we need in that first unit. Okay, when he's lacking energy, the team's lacking offense, and, and we can't have that. So we just need him to be the scholar that he is, but with the dog. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree. You both made some solid points. The only other concern I have with Jalen is last year he was playing in the playoffs the way he was because he was coming into a contract negotiation. We all knew that that was going to need to be done. 
this year he doesn't have that. However, he does have the opportunity to legitimately contend for a championship at his young age. That's got to be a really big factor, especially knowing that him and Tatum, if they can put it together and have a deep run this year, that, that Boston is their team for the next five to 10 years, which leads us into the small forward position of Gordon Hayward. Personally, his biggest strength for me is his playmaking ability, his ability to make things happen for others, and his ability to score with something out of nothing. He's, he tends to do that quite a bit. He'll be driving the lane, there's nothing there. He'll stop, do his little shimmy, his little half turn around back, and then his fadeaway jumper. If you didn't know, I was acting that out as I said it because I love it so much. I like the way that he can facilitate an offense, and I like the way that he can create his own offense and cause instant offense. All in one foul swoop, he can just completely and utterly change the outlook of a team's offensive structure when he's on his game, which brings me to my concern. That foot, if that foot starts giving him issues, which he's said it's still doing it and he doesn't really know why, but the more that foot consistently hurts, the more infrequent him being on his game is going to be. That kind of correlates to me. The more pain he's in, the less bounce he's going to want to use, the less he's going to want to beat guys off the dribble because you're putting force down on the ankles, which then goes into the foot. If he can stay healthy, if he can manage his body, which he's going to need to learn to do now because this foot problem doesn't seem like it's going to go away, so it's all going to be about managing your body, managing your load a little bit better. I think Hayward's going to have a real big say in whether or not Boston come out the East. I think he's a massive key to that. I think he's probably your best overall like well-rounded player. I think Jason Tatum's probably pushing him for that title, so maybe Gordon is your second best all-around player. I know we said that Jalen is a really, really great two-way player, but I think Gordon's ability to not only be a key part of the offense that you can have him be your main scorer on the floor. If you've got other guys who are out, you can go to him but he's also capable of creating for other people. And he consistently has really, really sound decision-making. And that is just so important for this Celtics team, especially considering how young they are. That being said, yeah, the foot definitely concerns me. That being said as well, it's, it's also a matter of just trying to ease him in, trying to get him more comfortable in the same way that you're trying to do with Kemba's knee. Gordon's foot worries me less so than Kemba's knee because we can pinpoint exactly what's going on with Gordon's foot in terms of he had a devastating injury and he's trying to recover from it. Whereas with Kemba sounds like wear and tear, but I think another massive part of it is psychological. I think he has to come in with that mentality that he can go in there and whoever they're facing, just go in and just take them back to the wood chipper, man. You know, he has to go in with that kind of mentality. He has to go in with that killer mindset because when Gordon's on his game, He's a completely different player. And you get those flashes of Utah Gordon, and I think so much of it is definitely tied in with a little bit of hesitation. I think he's worried about that foot, doesn't want to push it too much, doesn't want to go all out in case he ends up getting hurt again. And I think it's just now he's got a clean slate. You know, last year you really needed a palate cleanser, and it seems like this year the chemistry is so much better. And now he gets the game all he wants for like three months straight. That sounds incredible. Granted, it stinks to be away from your family, but Gamer Gordon is a happy Gordon. So hopefully we see a little bit of that in the playoffs. Yeah, man, you hit the nail on the head with this one. Listen, 
I told you, I've said it once, I'm going to say it again. If Gordon Hayward is healthy, he's the X factor for the Boston Celtics. And you guys named all the reasons why. My only concerns with Gordon Hayward, and I guess it's due to the injury. The reason why I said that I thought Jalen Brown was the best two-way player is because of the one thing that Gordon Hayward seems to lack, and that's speed on defense. And, And it seems like he's just a bit slower than everyone else. And because of that, that's a liability because now you have to, you're talking about rotation and then a guy has to go and pick up his man. Then he has to run and get to the other guy's man. And it just causes confusion on the defensive side. And that is my only concern with Gordon Hayward. And I guess you can chalk it up to the foot because he wasn't always like that. It's just that ever since the foot injury, he's been scared to test his full capabilities of what he can do. And I, 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 you know what? I can't tell that man what to do. All I know is if I was playing and I was cleared to play, I know in the back of my head, I would think about getting re-injured again. But honestly, I would just go out and just play like how I normally play. If it happens, if it's meant to me to be good, great again, it would be. And if, if, I, if I get injured again, I do. But because of that, you see, you see lack of, you see things happen. And I just want Gordon to go out there and just be the best Gordon that he could be without the worry. It's the worry that 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 messes up his game. You could tell, like his, when his shots are short or this is that in the third or when he's indecisive. Yeah, he's a great playmaker, but then there's times when he has wide open shots and he'll pass it up because he's just not as confident as he was. But listen, Gordon Hayward, if healthy and mentally fit, that boy is the X factor. That young man is the X factor. I promise you. That's why I was so hung up on when he said he was going to go have a baby. I was like, oh, because I know he wants to be with his team, but I know he needs to be with his family. So he will be the X factor. He will be the reason why the Celtics get as far as they get. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head in terms of he's not as fast as Jalen on defense. He's also one of those guys that, he doesn't have that aggression. He doesn't want to throw himself in front of bodies and draw the charges. He's, that's not his play. His play will be hedging you towards your weaker hand. It will be keeping you towards the baseline, towards towards double teams. He will try and position you out of a game, whereas Jaden Brown and Marcus Smart will show a little bit of strength and a little bit more guile was probably the best way of like, yo, we're getting that ball from you and you ain't scoring on me because if you do, it's an insult. How dare you even think you're going to score on me, you Mm -hmm. peasants. So that's kind of, (laughs) that's kind of where I am with Hayward. The only other concern I really have with him is aggression on offense as well. There's times where he's too passive and he looks to facilitate when he really does have a legitimate scoring opportunity. He defers the ball when he's if he's driving and there's a big body there. This was more of an issue last season than this, but it's still prevalent. Is he will defer the ball if he feels like he's gonna have to take a bit of contact on the way to the rim. When the playoffs come around and it is physical, guess what? You're gonna need to take some contact on the way to the rim because that's just the way the playoffs is, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Next I would go ahead. The one thing I will say is I feel like Gordon has definitely gotten better with playing through contact. When he first came back, that was definitely a concern. It's, he's still not doing it at a high level, but he's definitely world's better. I remember the first time we saw him finish through contact, like after, and it was like, Gordon's back. So yeah. I'm hoping we see more of that. We need to see more of that in order for them to 
have a successful playoff run. Him slashing was part of his game. Him, it, it was part of the, one of the reasons why I fell in love when we signed him. I was like, oh, this we finally have a guy that could get to the basket and not only finish, he could get foul calls, right? Because like, that's something that he was able to draw. We did see a decline in that, especially when he first came back. But we've been seeing him go more and more to the basket. But every now and then, he'll have a wide open lane, that big body coming there, and at the last second, he's trying to pass it out. And they, everybody else think he's going to take the shot. So, Gordon, do your thing, brother. Do you want to know something that's really crazy? Gordon Hayward passes the ball to Marcus Smart more than he does to Jason Tatum. <laughs> Is that a real fact? Yeah, yeah. He passes to Smart 18.2% of the time, hits Tatum 14.5% of the time, only hits Brown 9% of the time. Well, is it that because they're not always on the floor together? Because that can, because if Gordon. Yeah, that's going to be part of it, but they still start together and they close out together. Funny. It's just a little bit crazy. Obviously, he feeds Kemba the most, which is fine because you want to get it in your primary creator's hands. Ha. Moving on, we're going to hit Jason Tatum, the apparently absolutely jacked version of Jason Tatum, the, the muscle band. Have you seen how much muscle that guy stacked on his upper body? He's watching some, some clips today, man. He looks, he looks big, and that's going to be where my primary... What was what, what we're doing? Primary pro is going to be. Is He looks like he's going to be able to get to the rack a lot more. And as we've just said with Haywood, the one thing we've, we, we've all wanted and the one thing the Celtics have needed is a guy that can get to the rack when, at will whenever he chooses to. Tatum's free ball is going to make teams close out on him. And he's, if he's got that first step and he's hopefully got that handled at a bit more speed now where he can drive past closing out defenders and get to the room through contact, that muscle is added is going to make it so much easier for him to draw fouls. It's going to make it so much easier for him to play through traffic. And he's been running a lot of pick and roll. So if he's coming off that pick, and a defense is showing he's going to be able to absorb that that blow by on the pick, absorb any tags that are thrown at him, and still make room for a shot or a pass. My concern with Tatum is while we've seen him blow like blow up in playoffs before, and we've seen him blow up during the regular season, he's never had a playoff series or a playoff game where he has been the number one option. So he's walking into a playoffs now with everything that's gone on with COVID, with being in the bubble. And now the team's success is basically put on your shoulders. The keys to the door are yours now, the city of Boston's yours. But now you have to go and perform with that level of expectation. And that's my concern because this is the first year he's going to be going into that. Luckily, he's got guys like Hayward and Kemba that are going to be around him that's got some veteran presence, veteran voices in his ear. But my concern is, can he shoulder it in his first year of asking him to do so? I think another big factor into that as well for Tatum. I think that with Gordon as well, I think he's one of those guys that has just developed into a two-way player. His defense has just taken massive strides this year to the point of people really talking about it a lot more online than I expected to the point of him being an underrated defensive piece on this team. I do think another underrated aspect, and I really don't know how much this is going to be affected by the bubble, but he was one of the more consistent players for you at home and on the road. So he actually shot a higher percentage from the field on the road than he did at home. 
I don't know how that's going to carry over to Orlando. I know if you've seen any of the clips online, his release has also gotten a lot faster. Yep. Um, so those are things that I look at. And I agree that that pressure that he's going to have on himself as well as the pressure that other people are going to be putting on him to perform, that's going to be huge. And I really think that he is made out of something different mentally. A lot of guys are in the league, and he seems to have that mentality to be able to take on that kind of workload and not get flustered, not get, uh, I guess, flattened overall, not getting depressed over it, not getting into a groove over it. I think Tatum is one of those guys that just he's going to have no problem taking over a game. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to do it consistently here. And I hope that he can, but a lot of that will just be dependent on how the rest of the team is playing together. And I think overall, after watching that shoot around with him and Jalen the other day, I'm very optimistic that he can do that. There's not too many things I can pinpoint in Jason's game that I'm like, that has me really worried, but I think he'll rise to the occasion. Yeah, man. I mean, what more can we say about Tatum, man? He he is the Celtics' next superstar, all right? That's what he is, and he's blossomed right before our eyes. He's blossomed right before every Celtics fan's eyes. Like, we've watched – I, I posted the other day on Twitter, this is the moment Jason Tatum became a, a grown man. And, and when he dunked on LeBron James, I think all the confidence in the world let him know that he was ready – to up and elevate his game to the next level because all he did after that, this is, this is a young boy. All he did after that was keep improving on his game. Not sure. There's, there's too many strengths. So I'm just going to go to my only weakness with Tatum. And this does not mean it can't get better because you guys kind of like touched on it. But uh, Adam, you talked about his ball handling. Listen, Jason Tatum dribbles too high. All right. So because, and because of that turns the ball over. To me, and I don't have stats in front of me to say how much he turns the ball over. If it's, if it's, but it's a consistent every time. You know, he he tries to take, you know, go through a double team or whatnot. Like the ball is going to get stripped out. It's just because he just doesn't have the dribble ball handle thing skills yet. That doesn't mean he's not going to get it. I'm hoping he's a little bit more decisive when it comes to this tournament. I think Jason Tatum. The thing, you know, what I love about this the this young core and Jason Tatum being a part of it they don't get flustered. Like we, we've seen them get flustered in the past. We've seen them win with a, a bench uh, a, um, of, of veterans. And now we're seeing these, this young team uh, who are veterans, <laughs> believe it or not, we're seeing this young team uh, uh, pursuing a championship. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Just about most of, most of them have been to this Eastern Conference Finals. They know what it takes. Jason Tatum did it in his rookie season. Jalen Brown had a heck of a game. Terry Rozier had a heck of a series until the last two games where he couldn't hit the side of a barn. All I'm saying is, and I know he's not here anymore, I'm just saying that this young squad, with the, with the exception of Gordon Hayward, Kimball Walker, um, uh, and some of the other veterans that we have on the team, they're going to be a problem if one gets down on himself. You think Kimball Walker is going to let Jalen Brown stay down? No. You th- okay, never mind Kimball Walker. You think Ennis Canner is going to let anybody hang their head low? He's the f- probably one of the most fun guys on the team. It's the chemistry that they have that I would be scared of if I'm any other team. Now, they have to go out and perform each every night, 
But Jason Tatum is going to have n- no problems with performance, even if he has a bad game with 12 points and, and 10 assists. That's a double-double. Even if he has a bad game, <laughs> a bad scoring game, I think Jason Tatum is going to be fine because of the way that this team is structured. So my only weakness for Tatum, guys, is his his turnovers because of his dribbling or his ball handling skills. He he improves on that or gets the ball, dribble it lower or what or whatnot. That that it's just another notch on his belt, man. Yeah, so those dribbling skills coming in the half court and coming over off pick and rolls and stuff, they're actually not too bad. But the minute he picks up pace, you're right, his dribble comes higher up. It's much more loose, a little bit of contact will make him lose that handle quite easily, and that's when the turnovers are happening. He's only averaging two turnovers a game, but if he can tighten that up and bring that down to like 1.3 or something, that's going to be big. And if he can start learning to handle the ball at better speed, then he can start making use of that athleticism to change his pace coming off screens, to throw a hezzy and then blow by guys at a little bit of more of a pace. But that's going to come. These are all very nuanced developments now that he needs to do. He's, he's closed the gap on where he, where he was and where he wanted to be. And now it's about tightening up things like his handle, like when to go ISO, when not to go ISO, when to hezzy or when to just straight up pull. And these little things are going to be added to his game the more he becomes savvy in the league. And we're seeing that happen now. So I'm not too worried. My biggest concern is can he shoulder the responsibility while so young and while being asked to do it the first time in the most weird NBA season that's ever existed. So we move on to Mr. Daniel Tice. Vanilla Tice. Tice Tice Baby. Got lots of nicknames. I like all of them. For me, his biggest pro is his versatility on offense and defense, the way that those seals are going to be enormous in the playoffs because it's going to be more of a clogged lane. It's going to be a more of a, a set defense a lot of the times. And I know that the playoffs have, over time, become faster paced, but it's still a slower pace than the normal NBA. So Toysi's ability to set screens and then roll and re-screen down low for the guy that he's freed up at the top is going to be enormous. Hopefully teams don't figure out how to scheme against it. And hopefully Tice can keep doing that at the level he was doing it. My con, the one, my biggest concern is going to be him operating at his 100% best game after game from now until the end of the playoffs. Because you need Tice operating on full speed to be able to hang with some of these bigger teams in the league. When you're coming up against Bam Adebayo, Giannis, Brooke Lopez even, Embiid, Tice hangs with those guys because, one, he's an intelligent basketball player, so he knows where to position his body to make life difficult. But, two, because it's effort, dude. Like he, he, That's why – that's the biggest change now is he's in a position where he knows that spot is his for the taking, so he's giving it 100% every game. Now you've got to give it 100% every other night consistently for the next two and a half months. It's not impossible, but your body will start to wear down over time. And all I'm concerned about is whether or not he can keep that effort level all the way up where it needs to be from now until the end of the playoffs without having a dip in form because we need him at his best if we're going to get any chance of coming out of the East. 
I think this is probably the healthiest we've seen him as well. I don't know where his conditioning and like physique are at right now, considering we've been three, almost three and a half, almost four months outside of basketball. But his first year with the Celtics when we made the playoffs, he missed it because I think it was a torn meniscus, which the year after he came back and, you know, we swept Indy or the Celtics rather the Celtics swept Indy and then losing in five to Milwaukee. So my questioning is, is has he improved since that point? As you said, Adam, it's a different situation to go ahead and play through a season versus playing in the playoffs when you're playing every other night and you have to bring that intensity. I worry about his wear and tear, and this is what I've worried about for a long time. I think Daniel Tice has done a fantastic job as a starting center for the Celtics, being that de- just an absolute defensive stalwart, being a really important part with those screens, getting those screen assists. I just worry that with all of the playing time that they've put on him, right now when it matters, he's going to be put in between a rock and a hard place. I think he's going to physically get broken down a little bit more, so I do worry about that conditioning. His defense is so important to this team and his versatility, his ability to be able to switch. I just hope that they're able to manage his minutes now. And another play that we'll talk about at some point soon, I hope, is Time Lord, and I think he'll be able to try and stagger his minutes and be able to help in that regard. But I do worry about Daniel Tice's stamina and being able to keep up with this high-intensity playoffs, especially if they have to go against a team like Philly or Milwaukee you know, in a later round. Yeah, man, strengths for me, man, obviously is his defense, um, on defense, is his ability to protect the rim. Like, he's not going to get the, the the shot blocks or the, the highlight shot blocks, but he affects each and every one's shot. Like, whether they pull him out of the paint, whether he's in the paint, like, he's affecting the shot. And that's because you guys touched on his strength. That's because of his versatility, right? His His ability to get out there, um, on offense, like his ability to stretch D, like the fact that he can line up center at, at the, you know, top of the key and just swish it wide open in your face. And that's just something that Boston has been doing year after year with their bigs. They need a big that can stretch the defense and it allows you to like what Tim said to bring in other guys like the time, like time Lord or, or can or whatnot to where they can have these guys at different spots and, um, play different uh have different assignments or different roles for their positions weakness his 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 post like you know him him in the paint like he doesn't really i don't i don't think he's a he's as efficient in the paint and i we, we haven't seen him but what if these defenses force him off the perimeter and make him go into the paint you know and 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 that right there is where we hope to see he has like a post move or, or, or whatnot. It's, a, a, it's all in his footwork, uh, depending on his matchup. If he's matched up against an Embiid or whatnot, we would like to see him back down Embiid and then kick it out to the open man. Because you know they're prop that they might not double him, but there's, there's ways he, he can work his game. So I'm big on Daniel Tice. I'm, I'm so happy he's a Celtic. I'm, I was happy when they um, honored him with that contract. You know, this was a guy... Then it was like, and then he tore his, you said meniscus. I thought it was his ACL or whatnot. Either way, he had missed that playoff series and it was, it was, it was rough. We haven't seen him play in the playoffs. Um, oh, my watch is talking to me. I don't know why Siri talks, but I didn't say Siri, but 
I can't wait to see this young man, this young fella go out there and ball and give his 100%. Am I as worried as you guys about minutes? I should be probably. You guys seem to have like that rotation. You're talking about consistency. You're talking about game night off, game off. Like, yeah, like that. that's going to be kind of rough on him or rough on all the players or whatnot. So I think I think our coach has a great plan in scheming minutes and getting guys into the rotation. So I'm not as worried because of the coach, um, because of the coach's plan. But I'm big on Daniel Tice. I think he has a, 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 a really good, solid series as a center for the NBA, you know, not just for the Celtics, for the NBA. So that brings us to break. So what we're going to do is break. Before we do, just a quick bit of news that Shams has dropped that Kevin Garnett and Langer, some of the people are looking at making a bid to purchase the Timberwolves. How do y'all feel about that? I like that. Gee, man, you know, like, go be an owner, brother. Like, do it, man. Do it. Anything is possible, man. Anything. (laughs) I think you need to see that more, man. We'll be back shortly to talk about the other five guys. Until then, enjoy some advertisements. Those were lovely advertisements. I really enjoyed them. Did you guys enjoy them? Yeah, they're rather decent. Yeah, they were. I like them. Yeah, especially if you like them, you should definitely support them. Anyway, jokes aside, Marcus Smart is going to be the next guy on our list. For me, biggest positive, defensive intensity, leadership off the bench, aggression off the bench, and obviously just all around defense, regardless of intensity, it's Marcus Smart. My biggest concern He's liable to shoot you out of a game. He's just as liable to score you in, like shoot you into a game, but the odds are he's going to shoot you out of a game or two or at least a quarter. And I feel like he's going to need to really pick his shots and pick his moments where he does want to start throwing a couple, a couple of threes to when he feels that or when the team feels that it's necessary for some other plan later down. You know, like, oh, Marcus, we want it's the second quarter. We want you to put up four threes the next four chances you get because then teams are going to start closing out on you and we can drive or we can rotate. If that's the case, if you're doing it for a scheme, then that's fine. But if you're doing it just because you feel hot and you want a heat check, we don't want that Marcus Smart during the playoffs. Personally, I don't care how much you've improved as a three point shooter. If you want to shoot threes, you give it to Tatum. Absolutely. I agree with that on all counts too. When it comes to smart, he's just a pure heart and soul kind of guy. Absolutely energetic. Uh, just coming off the bench and he just brings that kind of energy to that unit. I do have to agree with you as well. When it comes to shooting, he has major lapses in decision-making on offense to the point where it makes me nervous to rely on him to run the offense. As we've talked about before, you know, I think he can improve in that category, but so far he's really struggled to run that offensive bench unit, mainly because if he gets open, he's going to take it in, To a fault, you know, he's confident. He's gotten a lot more confident in his shot. 
in some days he's just lights out and some days he's not, you know, that game versus Phoenix where he set the franchise record for threes was great, but that's not an everyday performance. It's not an every other week performance. You don't get those performances consistently enough for you to justify that amount of looks. I think he's such a better guy if he's playing off ball, if he's facilitating for other people. And I really don't know how they're going to manage to run him with that bench unit or if they're going to, you know, start him occasionally and maybe have Gordon come off the bench because of his foot or because you trust Gordon more to run that second unit and smart if he's on the floor with, you know, Jalen and Jason and Kemba at the same time, the ball isn't going to stick in his hands for long, but I think they have to find ways to try and make sure they mitigate his bad decision-making because at the end of the day, the last thing you want is for Marcus Smart to be taking more shots than some of your guys that you're paying, you know, 20 plus million a year. That's it for me. Like Marcus Smart. I, I just need you to be smart. That's it. That, 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 that's pretty much it. Everything Marcus Smart gives to the Celtics is everything every team wish they had. Every team wish they had a Marcus Smart type player. This is a guy that will take on the toughest assignment. doesn't matter what the position of that player is. This is a guy that isn't afraid of anything when it comes to football. This is a guy that if you get in his face, he's probably going to punch you. Like, this is just that type of a player. But on the, on the flip side, he has improved in his three-point shooting. He has improved in scoring. So with that being said, I definitely want him, you know, to be confident. Like, we don't want him to be timid when taking those shots. They'll never go in. But you're right. He has to make the wise decisions and not just take, you know, he's going to take high – Mark, this is what's going to happen. Game one, what's going to happen? Or a scrimmage game if he plays more than, you know, whatever the minutes. He's because pro he's probably going to start, but this is what's going to happen, right? He's going to come up. They're going to catch the ball on the rebound, like fast break rebound and whatnot. He's going to come up, and there's nobody going to be on him. He's going to pull up and shoot it. We're going to see that. In the playoffs, we need to see less of that. We want to make sure that we're, you know, we're just getting the right high percentage shots that we can get because you can't get baskets back, man. Once you miss nine times out of ten, the other team's going to make it. And then it just causes you – we don't want to see the Celtics having to climb out of holes, big holes, you know. So Marcus Smart, if he just plays, you know, smart basketball, which he has been doing, and take wise shots, he's going to be just fine. Because we really need his energy on defense. Like, we're going to need him every night. Like, his consistency on D, that's, that needs to be his assignment only. Move on to Ennis Kanta. Pro Rebounds, offensive boards A big presence on the low block Adam Spinella from Celtics blog Actually done a really good article Explaining why Cantor is so integral To the Celtics in the playoffs And how his throwback style is going to be a positive Couldn't agree more Definitely check that out if you haven't read it His ability to work off that block To get rebounds, to keep possessions alive And to offer an, an outlet pass into the interior, knowing that he can kind of get that hook shot or facilitate from that block, which he's done at fleeting moments through the season, is going to be big. Khan, if he's not playing drop defense, then he's not playing any defense at all. And that's going to be a big concern. It's all about scheming Cantor and using him as a positional big, in my opinion. 
You use him when you need him. You use him if you're being beat on the offensive boards and you need some extra possessions, if your shooters are a little bit cold. And you throw him in there as kind of like instant offense for a few minutes to get a few easy buckets. And then put him back at the game if you need to. He's only on $5 million a year. Use him exactly how you need to match up dependent. Yeah, and, and that's been the same song and dance for the, the entirety of this past season. We kind of figured that he was going to be defensive liability, and you're bringing him into a situation where Brad Stevens' system is completely predicated on playing good defense. So there were all these concerns with Kaner coming in. That being said, I think another big pro outside of, of course, him being an offensive rebounding machine is the fact that he's a really, really good teammate. He's really good chemistry in that locker room. He seems to genuinely be gassing everybody up, especially on social media and to every single media person that'll listen to it in the press. He keeps hyping up the Celtics team. So I think he's a really positive impact on that, you know, side of non-basketball play of just him as a person. But I have the same concerns. He's a defensive liability. And I think the one thing that you pointed out big time is that he lets you play an old school style basketball. You know, if, if you rewind the clock a little bit and you put us back a couple of years, perfect. Fit. He, he, he would be a perfect fit with a lot of teams because that's what the NBA was before, but it's a completely different animal now. You know, it's a completely different situation that we're looking at. So that being said, you know, if he can let you, as you said, have him in the low block, get him to go to that old school kind of, you know, smash mouth basketball to throw up a little bit of change of pace and also allows you to control the pace of the game in short spurts and slow the game down a little bit. That can make all the difference, especially if it means, you know, getting a guy to go to the line, getting some fouls on some guys, you know, mixing up their rotations and kind of throwing a monkey wrench in whatever plan the other team has. You just got to make sure you pull him out before he, you know, gets absolutely destroyed on the defensive side. Great. I mean, weakness, defense, super easy with, he's just not that type of a player for this type of NBA, right? Style of NBA strength. Okay. You guys mentioned his rebounds. Adam talked about rebounds. You talked about him being like a, a phenomenal teammate, but guys, his ability to score. Listen, this man, if need be, can put up 30 points. Like I just like all in the paint, none shooting. All in the paint. Like, that right there should let you know something is – this is why they gave him the, the $5 million, because it might be a night, okay? Where Tatum can't hit, Kimba ain't hitting, Hayward ain't hitting, and, and we just need – we need a changeup. We need, we need something. So just go in there. They're going to miss, grab the rebound, put it back in. Like, his ability to score, like, he just has this gift. It's like, um, you guys play 2K. Remember the badge the off the, the reef? Yeah, he knows exactly where the ball is going. It comes off the rim, yo. His ability to score is ridiculous. And for that is what, like, this is why I love him. I, I, I know he's not the best or not even, he's just not great on defense. I <laughs> I don't know what to say. I know. We all know that. And we're, I, I think at this point, not we're, that we're okay with it. We've accepted it, right? But his ability to just keep, and, and, and I wish they use him more, you know, pair him up with, compliment him with the, the piece you need in there. So if you got him in there, make sure Robert Williams is in there because now you'll get the defense and now he can go ahead and, and do what he needs to do. Like just, just compliment him and he'll be just fine. Listen, I love Ennis Kanter, man. I met him 
great guy. Just just love talking to him, man. Like his English is pretty darn good. Like <laughs> he's really cool, man. But on top of that, like I when we went and got him from from Portland, when well he was a free agent, but when we went and got him, I was like, yo, we're gonna be able to score in the paint. Like some way, somehow, he's gonna get the ball to go back in. He was putting up like th- like thirty when uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, J- uh, not Jokic. Nurkic. Nurkic got hurt. I was like, what man? Listen, he be- he's been doing. It. He's consistently been doing that. That's what he consistently does. He did it with the Knicks. He's doing it. He did it with Portland. He he consistently can get you buckets. He can get you buckets. That's and Adam it. wrote about that before too. And I do want to mention that before we move on to the next players. I think that Canner had that impressive playoff run with Portland that got them to the Western Conference Finals. He's in a very different role, and it's a very different system with Boston. It's a very different surrounding cast, but if he can have any fraction of that kind of success in the playoffs, it's going to change the dynamic of this Celtics team. And that's another experienced player for the Celtics. Are we talking playoffs? Playoffs? I feel like the next guy that's going to be in the rotation is probably going to be Shemi. I don't know mm. if you guys agree. Hmm. I feel like Grant might. Okay, let's go with Grant. So my pros for Grant, high IQ. He's going to be very good at playing situational defense, knowing where he needs to put his body. Four-year guy out of college. He's already more developed than guy, some of the guys in the draft class this year, but that comes with spending your full time at college. You usually get a more rounded player. Pro? He's going to be there. He's going to make sure he makes the right play. He's going to be in the right positions to make an impact on both sides of the floor. Khan, this is the NBA playoffs. I don't know if it's a place for a, a rookie that hasn't really set the world alight in terms of production. I understand he's kind of like smart. His production's more outside of the butt score than it is in. I'm fine. Don't shoot me for saying what I said, but I'm standing by it. I just feel like maybe his role is going to be very reduced compared to what it was during the regular season, which is why I feel like Shemi might edge him out because Shemi's got that playoff experience already. He knows what it takes to lock a guy up in the playoffs. He knows what it takes to get open in the playoffs. So I'll do both. Hell, let's just do both at once. (laughs) He's going to be able to lock guys up for short spurts. He's going to be able to hit his freeze if he's on his game. And he's going to offer that spacing of a traditional 3 and D guy. He's got that strength. Khan, you don't know what semi you're getting on any given day. One day you're going to get semi muscle factory Ojale. Another day you're going to get semi please get off the floor and back onto the bench and don't show your face again, Ojale. So it all depends night to night. So going after that, I think with Grant, as you said, he's a very high IQ player. As we've seen now with pictures, he's clearly slimmed down and gotten to a lot better shape. So his overall physical conditioning is going to be improved. So I, I'm really interested to see like what kind of speed he's operating at and just seeing how he's going to move around the floor. I, I do think he was building up some momentum there, but of course that was nipped in the bud as soon as the season got cut short. But now that we're getting back into the swing of things, I do want to see what kind of rotations he's included in. I know, of course, we're not going to see Kemba for that first scrimmage. We saw that reported today. He's unlikely to play. But I think a guy like Grant could really benefit from having these eight scrimmage or these scrimmages and then getting into these uh, eight games leading into the playoffs. I do think in terms of cons, as you said, he's, he's green. 
and not just green because he's a Celtic, but he's a very green prospect. He's a greenhorn. In terms of your, out of your young guys that you just drafted, he's definitely the closest, I think, to contributing uh, consistently. Just be a specialist who does those things that don't show up on the box score. But I'm interested to see how he's going to be able to handle being a smaller big trying to play now that especially that he lost some weight I don't know if his strength is improved uh, but if he's smaller it's a greater chance he gets pushed around in the block more so they're going to run him as much as a small ball five but moving on to Shemi you know he's a defensive specialist his three-point shot was improving we've talked about that before one thing I will say is he's inconsistent with that ball uh, you worry about as you said are you going to get Jekyll or Hyde are you going to see him driving to the hoop and kicking out or not able to finishing anything with those layups for a guy who's so big, he doesn't finish well through contact in my opinion. And I really don't know if I trust him all that much to make the right decision when the ball is in his hands. The best decision he makes generally where the ball's in his hands is he passes it to somebody else. Jeez. All right, Grant. So for my man, Mr. Williams, listen, uh, he's definitely a smart player. Look, he, the, the thing I love about him though, is his, his, is his energetic, smile and the fact that you know he he's just able to you know to just ball at a high level as a rookie like that that should be like somewhat honored or whatnot like because not too many players are going to be able to do that but what Adam said and what you said Tim earlier is this is where the weakness starts to come in because when the playoffs start and rotations start to shrink like we need him to be for his defense we need him to be like a, a, like a, a, the one of the best on ball defenders, we can't have him making mistakes and not getting to his rotate, like missing his rotation and miscommunication, which we've seen some in the regular season because of his inexperience. So inexperience to me is his weakness as well. To go with uh, my man Simi, listen, man, all he, I don't care, like just get to the corner and shoot. That that's it. That's where he shoots best. Get to the corner and shoot. I don't even want you driving to the paint and kicking the ball out because you're probably going to turn it over. Get to the corner, wait for the ball to pass around, and just shoot the shot. They go in, it goes in. But we need, listen, there's one thing that, I, and I, I forgot who I was talking about this, talking to about this. There's one thing that we know that uh, Shimmy does very well in the playoffs, and that's play defense. It, like his numbers are astonishing and we're listen i'm always going to pick lebron james because these are guys that listen he's the goat so well the goat now so when you could defend him and alter his shot making or alter his playmaking ability you get kudo points i don't need him to get me points you give me six points from Simi or six points from grant i'm cool with it long as they long as the intangible stats are there i'm cool with their you know their points I think that I think they both get minutes, but you're gonna see them two rotating probably the most. I'm with Adam though. I think you'll see Simi over Grant due to the inexperience. And that leads us on to our last two guys. I know we'd like to keep our shows around the 40 to 50 minute mark. We haven't been hitting that recently, so we'll throw these two guys in together as well. I'm gonna go. We might see Romeo Langford, but we're definitely going to see some Robert Williams. So let's start with Langford. Langford, pro, his on-board defense has shot me. It was really good this season. He's reworked his jump shot mechanics according to reports. So if he can figure out how to get that jumper off and make it smooth, then we might start seeing flashes of the scoring potential that saw him 
touted as a, a steal where he got drafted. Khan, if he doesn't figure that jump right, then he's just going to be an on-board defender that's undersized for a slasher. And I have no idea how he's going to make that work in the playoffs in this rookie year. Robert Williams, pro, defense, athleticism, vertical spacing, Khan, health, and the fact that he jumps at every single head fake in the history of humanity. <laughs> Big oof. Um, so with Time Lord, I think he's finally healthy. This is probably the healthiest he's been since he's been with the Celtics, if we're being completely honest. And I think he's capable of making a big impact, as we said before. With Daniel Tice, you're going to want to try and have someone who can stay him and try and give him a little bit more staggered minutes. Kanner is not exactly someone you can depend on, especially when it comes to being able to run up and down the floor. Robert Williams is also an excellent passer, especially for a guy his size. Uh, on top of that, as you said, he, he's very liable to make mental errors on defense. I'm hoping what ended up happening was during this time while he was recovering as he was looking at footage, looking at film, trying to figure out what he needs to do to play better in the system they've got there. So I think that's one big thing going against him. He's, he's basically playing catch up. He's missed so much time this season. I, I just don't know where he's at in terms of playing at game speed. It's one thing to be in shape, but it's another thing to be able to play at the level that you need to in the playoffs. So I'm hoping we see a little bit more out of that, especially with the scrimmages as well as those eight games leading in. He's always going to be a lob threat. He's always energetic to watch, and he's someone that I really enjoy. So thumbs up for Tom Lord, hoping he's going to be good. Um, in terms of Romeo Langford, I think he worked a lot on his shot, and they've talked about it a little bit. It seems like his shot has gotten a little bit more consistent, more fluid, and to the point where he doesn't think he's going to have regressions with it. Seems a little bit more confident in that shot. So I'm interested to see what kind of role they're going to have for him. But right now I think he's just – an unknown commodity in terms of what you're going to see on the offensive end. He's improved defensively, but I don't know if that's going to garner him many minutes, especially if you're trying to solidify your rotations. So those eight games are going to be telling what we're going to see in the playoffs from him, whether they're going to be giving him 10, 15 minutes a night or maybe none at all. Strengths for Romeo Langford defense. I love his on ball D as well. Um, his ability to be able to defend, like just I mean, and I mean, stick them, stick to them. Uh, his ability to affect the the ball shooter shots, like he's just really good at that. And and that's what you know. It's one thing I love about our guys, man. They come in defense first, right? And then you can work on some of the mechanics for the other thing. He came in with a broken uh, thumb, hand, something, right? So he came hand, his hand was broke. So of course his shot was going to be affected by that, but he started getting minutes real quick with the Celtics. So if he can get his shot on and play on ball defense, he might be, you know, the Y factor or something like that. You know why? Because teams haven't seen him before. And if he could put up a scoring night where they're going to have to do uh, focus on this guy. Oh my gosh. Now you got three wings. Well, I mean, he's, he plays two guard, but he can play the wing too. You got three guys. We got to deal. four guys. We got to deal with. It's going to be a problem. Robert Williams is a rim protector guys. That does. He blocks. He's going to block your shot. He's going to block it. He's going to jump at everything. Like Adam said, but he's going to block your shot. So expect to get at least one shot blocked from every person that takes a shot. If you go into the paint with him weakness, Sometimes he misses his assignments on defense because he looks lost, and 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 he that can do be to that can be due to inexperience as well. Him not being healthy 
to be in the rotation, just you know, to be fluid when it comes to switching. Um, when it comes to switching on defense, that's his weakness for me. Other than that, when he gets a putback dunk, the crowd goes. Well, there's not going to be a crowd, but the crowd at home will go wild. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm excited to see this kid play, man. I'm hoping he's healthy. Because if he's healthy, man, that's going to be a problem. He, he, he's a shot blocker. He's a shot blocker. Last thing I didn't touch on with Rob Williams is his passing. Oh, I love that dude's passing, especially yeah. after short roll. I love that short roll pass. Any big that passes out of the short roll consistently and well usually finds a place in my heart. And yeah, I usually go. Midi too. He's got a little midi shot. Like he'll take a little seventeen footer, something like KG used to take until KG started stretching it out, shooting threes. So that's good, man. We look. He's getting better. I think we're gonna leave it there. We've heard our number one pro and number one con for ten guys on the team. I think ten. Maybe I stretched it to eleven. I lost count after a while. To be quite honest with y'all, we will be back on Friday and we're gonna preview the first scrimmage. Until then, you can listen to us here. You can listen to any of our old shows. Please, 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 if you like this, share it with your friends. Leave a five-star review, a nice written review. Please make it nice. Constructive is always good too. We won't disagree with constructive. Just don't cuss us out because that makes us really sad. It does. It does. It it hurts our feelings. It destroys me from the inside out. And that's the way we're going to leave it with Tim telling you he's destroyed. Truly. We'll be back on Friday, y'all. Have a great day. Have a great Thursday. If it's warm where you are, make sure that you're being safe in however you're enjoying the outdoors. Wear that mask. And I'm going to go watch the mask, actually. I like that movie. We'll catch you guys later. Peace out. Later.